Complaining, a poem by Jim Yerman. We have, been, we have become a nation of complainers. Don't you find it a little insane to be surrounded by so many people who complain, complain, complain? We complain about the weather. We complain about waiting in lines. We complain about the service in a restaurant. And we complain about the wine. We complain our team just lost the game. We complain it, it wasn't fair. We complain when we look in our closet and there's nothing for us to wear. We complain about the dog. We complain about the cat. We complain that we're too poor and we complain that we're too fat. We complain today is Monday. We complain about our job and all its stress. We complain about our government and we complain about the press. We complain there's so much to do. We complain we need more time. I even imagine there are those of you out there who complain about these daily rhymes. And they'd be right to complain about this rhyme, for even I can see a rhyme complaining about complaining. There must be something wrong with me. So I will gladly end this little missive, this dreadful parody. But just one more thought before I go, and then I'll let you be. Today, when you feel like complaining, would it be too ludicrous or bizarre to stop for a moment and think to yourself, how lucky you really are. All right, Christ Church, I'm Pastor Bob, uh, lead pastor here at uh, Christ Church. Uh, glad you're here this morning. Glad your folks are up there in the upper room with us today, as well as uh, all you folks joining us out there uh, online this morning. And uh, today we start a brand new series, uh, My Big Fat uh, Mouth. And uh, what this series will do is uh, underline really the importance of our words. And uh, uh, we're hopeful that by the end of this series, uh, well, we're hopeful that you'll know more than the, the, uh, the tune that you just, you know, the big fat mouth tune in the bumper there, right, that you've been humming since you heard it in the promos probably, right? We're hopeful that you'll know more than that tune by the time we're done uh, and that actually uh, you're going to feel the impact of the series by just seeing how uh, your words are going to change, how you, how you use your words to change. Uh, words uh, are really important, and uh, Jesus underscores that uh, when we uh, get into the Scripture and we begin to look at uh, Matthew 12. Uh, he's kind of straight uh, at it. Now, what's interesting about this experience in, Mas in Matthew 12 is uh, in this section, Jesus has just uh, cast out a demon uh, from a guy, right? So they bring a guy to him, and Jesus uses his words, and he casts out these demons. And in the course of the conversation of what took place, um, there are those who were complaining about him with uh, their words. And there was one guy that even said, uh, hey, the only reason he could do this was that he is uh, the king uh, of uh, the evil one, right? He is the prince of demons. And that's the only way he could do that. Jesus' response to those words is to acknowledge, hey, if, if your words and your actions are not for me, you're obviously against me. And then he holds us accountable around the use of our words. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Uh, I, you know, read this. Uh, how'd you like to be the guy that called him the prince of uh, demons? Uh, kind of an, well, that's not words I would want coming out of my mouth after I heard that, right? Um, the reality is our words uh, are really uh, really important. 
Words are powerful. It means, therefore, our mouth, our tongue uh, is powerful. James uh, writes about that, gives witness to that, and he tries to use different kind of images to help us understand how powerful uh, our mouth is, how profound our tongue can be in the impact. Uh, if you look at this one, he uses the example of uh, a bit in, in the horse's mouth, right? Wherever, you know, wherever the bit goes, that's where the horse goes. He uses the example of a rudder on the ship, saying, hey, it can be a small piece uh, of the ship, but the rudder is what sets the direction, right? Uh, and he uses, toward the end, a tiny spark can create that great forest fire. And then if you look at verse 6, he says, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. How many of you are feeling really good right now? <laughs> okay, right? It's like you never want to open it after hearing that, right? Uh, but it, it underscores for us the importance of how we use our words and the direction uh, that our words uh, take, right? And, and we know this is true in culture. We even have uh, phrases in culture. We say, well, it was just a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, what does that mean? It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, if you get up every morning and you look in the mirror and you say to yourself and you use your words and you say, well, you're pretty dang worthless, and you do that every day, all the time, how do you think you're going to feel about yourself? That you're pretty dang worthless, right? Uh, and, and so it just shows how our words uh, have impact. They have, they have power about them, right? Uh, James again says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So he sets out for us the distinction of how, how restless the tongue is, and yet the distinction of the battle that goes on with our tongue. Right? That our tongue can be used uh, to praise God, yet at the same time our tongue can be used uh, to corrupt others. Right? And, and the gift of who they are in the image of God, and yet we would take that image and tarnish it with the way we use our words. And so that's the struggle, and really what the series is about is, is looking at, so how do we make sure, if you're already a Christ follower, how do you make sure that your words praise and are consistent with what it means to follow Jesus Christ? And how do you guard against using your words in a way that tarnishes what God is seeking to do in your life or in the lives of others. And that's the, that's the distinction. And so we're going to talk uh, about complaining today. We're going to talk about criticizing. We're going to talk about lying. And we're going to talk about my favorite, gossiping, right, before the series is done. Because all those things uh, can tarnish what God wants to accomplish uh, in our lives, right? Again, you look at James. It says, and so blessings and curse come pouring out of the same mouth, right? There's that distinction. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No! And you can't draw fresh water from salty springs. What's he challenging us? Well, if you're a Christ follower, your words ought to be used in one direction. 
And, and so we need to fight against, we need to find ways to, to protect ourselves against using our words in a way that is inconsistent and contrary to what God is doing and desires to do in our lives and the lives of others. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Uh, James says, indeed, we all make many mistakes, right? So this is a new beginning series, right? And, and you may have used your words hurtfully in other experiences. Hey, this is a new experience series, right? That you can begin to examine your words, examine how you use your tongue, and know, hey, grace is good, right? This, this is about God forgiving us and growing us into a new direction. He says, for if we could control the tongue, our tongues, we'd be perfect, and could also control ourselves in every other way. So how do we take this step of controlling our tongues? And how does that influence then what the rest of our life looks like? How many are up for controlling your tongue? Uh, two people in the room want to control their tongue. Come on, people. I tell you, I struggle with this. I'm, I'm just a regular guy, right? We, especially the topic today, complaining, right? How, how do we control it? Where do we step Paul to the Corinthians, and remember the Corinthians were pretty messed up people, right? These, these Christians in Corinth, they had lots of challenges, right? And Paul gives them uh, the answer, and he gives us the answer of how do we begin to control our tongues so that our tongues are consistent with what God wants to achieve and accomplish in and through our lives. He says, and he starts by quoting the prophet Isaiah, right? So Isaiah was a prophet from the Old Testament. And so Paul reaches back into the Old Testament and grabs his words. And he's going to use these words as a surprise contrast, right? So he grabs Isaiah's words and he says, Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? Good questions, right? And at first glance... We would all hear those questions like, who can know the Lord's thoughts? And we would say, nobody. I mean, holy cow, who can know the mind of God, right? Here's the surprise. Here's the surprise. Paul says, but we, if you're already a Christ follower, right? If you turn your life over, and that means your tongue over, and that means also your mind over, you turn your life over to Christ. He says, but we, we understand these things. We understand the Lord's thoughts. We, he says, we can have the mind of Christ. There is the answer to controlling our tongues. We begin to control our tongues when we begin to think the way Jesus thought. When we begin to control our minds and move our minds so our minds are a reflection of the image of Christ... That will move what comes out of our tongues. Now, we're going to look at that today around, that, around the topic of complaining, right? Now, complaining uh, is an easy thing uh, for all of us. Would you agree with that? This is where you say, amen, pastor, yes. Right? I mean, it's easy, right? Complaining is an easy thing uh, for all of us. It shouldn't surprise us that it's easy. You get the Israelites when they were rescued from Egypt and God brought them out with a mighty arm and they're out there in the wilderness. And if you read that segment of scripture, you're going to see that it's just a series after series of complaining, right? They, they're out in the wilderness after they've been rescued and they find everything they can to complain, 
about, right? So by Exodus 16, they're complaining that they haven't had meat. Uh, By Exodus 17, they're complaining they just don't have enough fresh water. Deuteronomy 19, they even complain that their clothes are wearing out, so God gives them permanent clothes. So much better than 30% off at Kohl's. I'm telling you, I love that, but so much better, right? Now, all this is happening within the context of what God has already done for them, right? And remember, what has God already done with them? Well, he sends Moses down there to stand up to Pharaoh and to release them from slavery. So these people have already seen God work and use plagues to change the mind uh, of Pharaoh, right? They've already experienced walking through the parting of the sea, walking through on dry ground. They've already seen Pharaoh's armies, the most powerful person in the world. They've seen Pharaoh's armies swallowed up by the water of the Red Sea. They've seen all that mighty, incredible stuff. And yet, what is their first instinct but to complain? Complaining comes really easy. The trouble is, complaining has consequences. When you let your tongue, when you let your mind, and therefore your tongue... Go into the arena of complaining. You have to understand, complaining is hurtful. It's just hurtful. It hurts God, and it hurts other people. Right? Here we get in numbers, uh, people of God are, are complaining. And so soon the pe- people began to complain about all their hardship. Uh, and notice the next phrase. So if you got your half sheet out, and you got a pencil or pen, and you want to circle a phrase, this is the one to circle and remember this next week, Right? It says, and the Lord heard how much of what they said? Everything. Everything. So, Christ followers, think about that. When you're complaining to that other person that you always complain to, guess who else is listening? Thought about that? When you're just railing away and complaining away about this, that, and the other thing, guess who else is listening? the one who sent his son into the world to give up his life so that you could be forgiven and free. This hurts him. This hurts him. This grieves him when we do that. Not only it hurts him, but it hurts other people. Imagine the load you continue to put on that other person, right? We tend to do that. We pick out kind of one person usually that we're really kind of always complaining to, right? Ask my wife. She'll tell you, right? We pick that one person and we just kind of keep, keep on. We need to remember it hurts them too because what are you pouring into them? Nothing but complaints. Complaining uh, hurts God. It hurts other people. And complaining uh, always forgets and always distorts the truth. This is one of, my, uh, one of my favorites, one of my amazing things about how short-sighted we are and how easy it is us to forget and distort, right? So this is about those people of Israel. They're out there in the wilderness, and they're complaining, and they begin to look back at their life in Egypt, and here's what they say. There, too, the whole company or the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Now, get this. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, really, like he was going to do that, right? If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat, and we ate all the bread we wanted. But now, now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. 
Okay, come on now. What were they back in Egypt? That would be slaves. When's the last time you saw a slave sitting around with a pot full of prime rib? Huh? And all the bread. We had all the bread we wanted to eat. No, you were making bricks. What are they doing? They're forgetting what it was really like, and they're distorting the truth. Think about that place or that person that you always complain about. Are you being really honest about things? I mean, that job that you're complaining about. Do you, do, you, do you remember when you were praying and you were asking the Lord and saying, Lord, just please give me this job. I just, man, if I could just get this job. Do you remember that? That person that you're complaining about all the time. Are you really looking at them truthfully, or are you only looking at the small little sliver that keeps kind of antagonizing you? Are you looking at the scope of possibility of the giftedness that they are? Are you looking at them and understanding that they're actually made in the image of God and that they they may even be a Christ follower just like you? Or are you distorting the truth and forgetting? You see, complaining always distorts the truth and it forgets. And we distort the truth and when we forget like that, we actually end up denying God's purposes, what God wants to do in our lives related to that situation or related to that person, right? Moses continued, you know, it's the Lord when he gives you meat each evening and more than that, enough bread for each morning. He is really the one you're complaining about, not us. We're nobodies. But the Lord has heard your complaints. You see, when we get into this pattern of complaining, we are actually standing over and against and creating a barrier for what God wants to do in our lives. And he is listening and grieving every word. So now the question becomes, what do we do? How do we counter uh, complaining, right? How do, how do we get our minds and therefore our tongues in the right place and start countering uh, complaining? Philippians, the Apostle Paul gives us a great, great word, a witness in, in Philippians on how to do this. And he gives us a challenge right away. Uh, verse 14, I've underlined uh, what, four words there. Would you say those four words with me? You ready to go? Do everything without complaining. Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. That's what can happen. That's what you can't do for yourself, but what the mind of Christ can do for you. That's what you can accomplish by your own will and desire, but it is what the mind of Christ can accomplish when you let him take over your thoughts and your tongue. Paul says you can actually live that kind of life that just pushes complaining to the side, right? So do everything without complaining. So let's ask the questions again. What or whom are you complaining the most about in your life right now? Think about that. You got it? You're all doing it. So what or who are you complaining most about in your life right now? And then ask this question. Can you change the circumstances that are causing you to complain? Can, can you go ahead and step into the situation in some way and change those circumstances? 
right? Be, be a Christ follower. Take the initiative. Go talk to that person. Go talk to whoever your boss is or supervisor or whatever the situation is. Can you take a step that is consistent with the mind of Christ and using the words of Christ in grace and truth? Can you take a step that changes those circumstances? If so, guess what? Do it. Do it. Stop complaining. Push it to the side. Step into it. If not, then the second question comes into play. The second question is, can you change your perspective around that situation or around that person? Can you change the way you think? Can you put on the mind of Christ around that situation or that person? What does that look like? Well, first, it looks like this. Starting to look at the situation or looking at that person as a mission opportunity. Philippians again, the Apostle Paul. Paul, great, great preacher, great teacher, right? Most of the New Testament comes from him, right? He always wanted to go to Rome. That was one of his missionary wish. He wanted to go to Rome, right? And eventually he did. The only thing is he went there as a prisoner, And while he was in Rome as a prisoner, all day he was chained to a Roman. He was literally chained to a Roman guard. Now, let me ask you this one on the complaint scale. How does that go on the complaint scale? How much opportunity does the Apostle Paul have to complain about his situation? Lord, I wanted to go to Rome, but not like this. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm advancing the gospel here. I'm doing everything I can for you, Lord. And here I am chained to a Roman. The guy doesn't even know how to take a bath. At least it smells that way. I mean, his complaint list could be huge. And yet, what does he do? He looks at the situation and he says this, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened... So everything that I've gone through, everything that I'm currently going through, everything that has happened to me here while I'm chained to this Roman guard, right? Everything that's happened here has helped to spread the good news. What did he see? Everything that he could have complained about, he was ready to push to the side, put on the mind of Christ, and say, this is awesome. I got this Roman guy, I can witness to him all day, and he can't go anywhere. He's like chained to me. He's got to listen. And by the time it's all done, Paul says that through the process of this experience that he could have so complained about, through the process of this experience, because he put on the mind of Christ, saw it as a mission opportunity, he goes on to say, listen, not only this guard, but that guard and a whole bunch of guards, even somebody in the emperor's own household came to know Jesus Christ. Why? Because he had a mission opportunity chained to a guard. Everything he could have complained about, he pushed complaint aside, and he put on the mind of Christ, and he saw a mission opportunity. Can you look at your situation, can you look at that person, and see them as a mission opportunity? To do that, you need to understand that you are involved in something bigger than yourself. 
You see, when we complain, we complain relative to ourself, right? That the focus of the complaint may be towards somebody else, but the real center of the complaint is around us, right? It's around our wants, our needs, our desires, our disappointments, right? The real center of it is all about us. To put on the mind of Christ means you understand, wait a minute, it, life is not all about you. Your life as a Christ follower, it's not about you. It's about someone greater and bigger than yourself. Paul, in that situation, says, listen, I rejoice even if I lose my life. Wow. Even if I lose my life, if it gets poured out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. See, you are part of something bigger than yourself. And he says, all I want, he says, I want all of you to share in that joy. Yes, you should rejoice, and I'll share in your joy. What a contrast. He says, no, you don't complain about it. Instead, you look for the joy of it. Why? Because you are involved in something bigger than yourself. And that person and that situation is a mission opportunity. You don't need to complain about it. You need to step into it with the mind of Christ, and that will give you the words of Christ. What do the words of Christ look like? Well, start with this. You'll start using your words in a different way. Instead of complaining, you'll start praying for and being thankful for. You look at that situation, you look at that person that you would normally go down the road of complaint about, and instead you say, wait a minute, I'm going to put on the mind of Christ. I'm going to see it as a mission opportunity. I know it's about something bigger than myself, and so I am going to start praying for that situation or for that person. And I'm going to go beyond that. I am going to actually be thankful. I am going to be thankful that God has put me in this position where I can make a difference for Christ in that situation or in that person. That's what Paul did. Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done put on the mind of Christ and start using your words first by talking with God about it. And as you talk with him about it, actually be thankful for that which you would normally criticize about. That means you're going to actually begin to put on the mind of Christ and it will change the way you use your tongue. And it will move complaining further and further away. You begin to think God's thoughts. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See how that's a whole different mindset? And when you get a whole different mindset, it's going to issue into a completely different set of words you're going to begin to understand the mind of Christ, and you're going to begin to move to a place of contentment. That which you normally would complain about, right? That situation or that person that you normally would complain about, you're going to start seeing them completely differently. And you're actually going to come to a place where you can be content and say, wait a minute, this is exactly where I need to be. 
This is exactly where God has placed me. This is where I can make a difference in this situation or in that person's life. This is where I can make a kingdom difference. Paul says, now that I was ever, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content in whatever I have. His mind has moved. His words have moved. Not complaining, but discovering contentment. Now, one last thing in the process, okay? One last thing that you got to do to make this move, to move complaining out of your life, and that is you need to make sure you get somebody who can hold you accountable for your complaining words, right? To move them away, you need to get yourself into a relationship with somebody who can challenge you and hold you accountable for having the mind of Christ and exercising the words of Christ and move that complaining aside, Now, you probably already got a person that is your go-to complaining person, right? What would it be if you changed that person from your go-to complaining person to your accountability person? That when you start to complain, they say, well, wait wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold it. We really want to go down this road? You want to use your words that way? You see, you need to find somebody that can hold you accountable to the mind of Christ and therefore the words of Christ. Now, we got small groups all over the place here. Get in a small group. They can really be helpful in that. we get got a discipleship experience uh, here. You can get discipled for 10, 12 weeks, and that can help you get that way. And today, we're going to have uh, people available after worship to pray with you, right? That if you've been listening today, if this had any impact, if God's been using this and the Holy Spirit's been working, and, and you're like, you know what? I am tired of being a complainer. This is not where God wants me to be. We're going to have people available after worship this morning. You can just go pray with and ask the Holy Spirit to overwhelm you and give you the mind and the heart of Christ. And you can let go of that complaining past. That's what grace does. Grace moves our big, fat mouths to a whole different level where they become kingdom proclaimers and not complainers. You with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you, uh, thank you that uh, you love us uh, so much that uh, you don't want us to settle uh, for a life that is filled with complaints, but instead filled with the mind of Christ, the heart of Christ, and that, that we, can, uh, we can let that control our words and that our tongues can be used in powerful ways to extend the kingdom of heaven. So, Lord, we come to you today as broken people, and uh, we put our lives and even our tongues before you, our words before you, and we ask for forgiveness for those idle words that we've spoken in the past, and we count on your grace that from this day forward, uh, we're going to use our words different because we're going to give you control of our tongue. So help us, overwhelm us with your Holy Spirit, that we can use our words to extend the kingdom of heaven and bring grace and truth into the lives of others. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It is a powerful thing when we... uh